You know the vibes. We're back for another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. A little change of scenery today if you're watching this on YouTube. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm live and direct, San Francisco. BJ is on his way here after we finish taping. And tomorrow we're going to take over the Bay Area, Hoop Genius style. The NBA farms are here. We're going to be coming at you live and direct. BJ, how you been? Well, it's calm before the storm, Mo. I had you know, the NBA Finals Thursday. There's a lot of chit chatter. Be more chit chatter tomorrow. You and I will chime in. Mm-hmm. We will be in the building, giving our takes. And I can't wait. I, I'm really excited about the, the the finals. And here's why: both teams have an advantage. And you, Mo, you know how much I love defense. This is the number one and number two defensive team in the entire NBA. I can't remember the last time that's happened. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams are well coached mm-hmm. and they both have an advantage. You know, the Warriors have an advantage in some areas. Boston has an advantage in some areas. And we're going to see how this is going to play out. I think it's going to be a six or seven game series without question. But you know what? We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 I don't I think it's too close to call. You know, you asked yesterday and, and, and I said Boston, but it's really close. Until someone beats the NBA champions and they have the home court advantage, it's hard to, to bet against them. But here we are. Mo, you are already there. I'll be there tomorrow. And it, as they say, you know, let the games begin. So let's let's get it going. I'm going to tell you one thing, right? I've been in San Francisco now. I landed at 3.30 in the afternoon local time over here. So it's about an 11-hour flight. It took ages to get through security and all the rest. But So I've been here, you know, checked into the hotel, had a little dinner, beautiful Mexican food, caught up with some of my friends who live out here. And then they took me around for a little bit, right? They were like, let's just go for a walk. Like, nowhere in particular. They're like, let's just go for a stroll. You know, we just had some dinner. Bro, I walked for 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, and, th- and this is just a random, I don't know where we were, we just went to a restaurant, right? So this is just a random street. Within 10 minutes, I saw three basketball courts that were better than any basketball court in the whole of the UK. US. And it, US. And, it, and, and it's beautiful because it was, what was it? Eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Like sun's just about to start setting and everyone's just out hooping. I'm like, yo, let me get a couple shots up. And it's, it's beautiful. I'm like, man, life over here very different i need to get out of here but well you know what would be nice mo one day we'll have to dedicate a court there in london somewhere how about yes sir yes sir i need to do that that, that, that's our goal that's what that's what it's all about it just starts one court at a time so but you know you you'll always find a run especially especially in a major city like san francisco in particular now with the warriors and and, uh, you know, it's, well, well, it's that time of year. I, I saw one really cool court. If you want to see it, I'll put it on my TikTok later on. It was beautifully painted. It was like a designed artwork on the floor, glass rims, glass backboard, sorry, double rims, mm-hmm. nets. And it was actually built by Kevin Durant's charitable foundation when he was mm-hmm. playing for the Warriors because it was inscribed on the floor. And then, so I turned my phone back on because obviously I was up in the air. And I noticed KD's trending again on Twitter because of his tweets again. And here's what happened for you guys who missed it. Draymond Green, part of the new media, had a few things to say 
about Stephen Curry not having a finals MVP when he was talking to Colin Cowherd. He said, Steph Curry got double teamed probably seven times the amount that KD did in any given series. KD sees this clip, tweets, from my view of this, it is 100% false. Draymond said, you have to learn to listen to full takes and not snippets before you get baited into tweeting champ. KD says, oh, I've seen it, my brethren. I appreciate the compliments, but disagree with what you said about double teams. That's all. I love the show. So it's like, it's like they're being very polite to each other, but it ain't polite. You know, like, like champ. Okay, champ. Okay, my brethren. Love the show. But it's just interesting to me, okay, because those guys are in the situation. We're outside the situation. And... <laughs> From the perspective of someone, just just the basketball sex, I don't care about their feelings. They can think whatever they want to think. From the basketball perspective of watching those Warriors runs, the two years KD was there winning, do you think that Stephen Curry was being more double-teamed and targeted by defences than Kevin Durant? Because in my opinion, yes. And that KD was the beneficiary of that, and Ty Lue, in fact, came out and said that their game plan was to try and slow down Steph Curry because you pretty much can't slow down Kevin Durant. What's your take on it, BJ? I mean, first of all, first of all, I don't, I, I don't even know how to quantify seven times, right? I, I, I'm just not. Smart yeah, I, I think that, that was like hyperbole. That was like an exaggeration. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how to calculate that what i remember about those teams were the following they were so good they had three guys in particular that were so good all three of them demanded double teams any given night clay i mean the guy scored what how many points in a quarter 30 what too, eight? too many too okay. many is the answer okay. in, in one quarter Okay. Clearly, you have to prepare for him. Steph Curry, you have to prepare for him. And Kevin Durant, you have to prepare for him. One thing I do know, and I, 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 I don't know who was getting double teamed here, but I remember talking to coaches in, in particular, is without question, during that period, Kevin Garnett. Durant. Kevin Durant, sorry. Kevin Durant was more times than not the featured player at the end of in at the end of ball games. That's one thing I, I, I do recall. He was the featured player more times than not. Steve Kerr has an offensive system that has lit has withstood the test of time. Ball movement, player movement. I saw a great quote from Steve, just just to chime in real quick. Yes. I saw a great quote from Steve Kerr today. It made me, it made me laugh. He goes, I've never in my life come up with a play. I just steal everyone else's. I steal from Dave Yeager, Brad Stevens, you name it. I'll take the best play and make it mine. It, it just made me laugh. Well, <laughs> it's funny. It's only so many plays you can do. Mo, I mean, exactly. <laughs> okay. And they just got better players to do them with. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Mo, there's... When you make the game incredibly simple, 
you it, it forces you to look at the game from the simplicity of the game. We can run all these fancy plays. Who gets double team, triple team, so forth and so on. When you see a truly great player, Mo, that great player can only operate in two areas in which the defense can't double team him. That being the elbow and in the middle of the court. Free throw line extended. A, I'm going to put this on a t-shirt for you. Okay, Mo, there's nowhere else to go. Okay, there's Mo. There's nowhere else to go. As a guard, Mo. As a guard, I'm gonna. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna lay out all the secrets and just watch it for yourself. There's only three places you can initiate an offense from. Okay, you can start at the top of the key. You can go to the right wing, the left wing. Those are the only places, Mo. You can initiate and start an offense. I don't care how smart you are. You can have a thousand plays. It will always start at one of those three areas. Mm-hmm. As a guard, I always knew that. Whenever the play was going, I had a 33% chance of getting it right if I just got to one of those places. Every great guard, as the defense turns up, can get to those places. That's a fact. Mo, I don't care. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter what's going on. The defense is turned up. Everyone's pressuring. A great guard can get to the top of the key to start the offense. If he's really great, he can get below the free throw line at the, on either wing because that's why he's great. That's a fact. Mo, that's a, that's a fact, okay? Take last game, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was jumping the passing lanes, right? Where was he jumping the passing lanes? <laughs> on the wings at the top. Yeah. Every – this is – okay. What Steve Kerr does – if Steve Kerr knows that if you get the ball to one of those areas, Draymond at the top, he has an opportunity just from the angles of the court to pass to any four guys on the court, his teammates, including the ability to, to hit the rim, which is by definition a penetrating pass because you have a chance to get the offensive rebound. <laughs> I'm just love because you were about to say score and then you change it to. <laughs> well, if you miss it, if, <laughs> if you score, <laughs> if you score, yeah. but more so, times so than not, so you what, will miss it. So okay. what you're saying is, is those Warriors teams had KD in those operating areas rather than Steph. KD was the only player that's capable of playing from the pinch post. Steph Curry is. There is always an anomaly to every equation. All of the great players, just think about them. If you want to get that great player a shot and not worry about the double team, you have to get him in the middle of the court or on the elbows. Example, Jordan, Bird, Kobe, Tim Duncan. Now, Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan was the first player that I saw create a space on the floor that you also couldn't double team, but I'm not sure if it was just him or it was just the fact we didn't know what he was going to do. Tim Duncan would step off to the mid post and shoot off the backboard, which gave him an angle where you didn't know if he was out far enough to double team him. If he was close enough. Yeah. It's like an awkward, awkward place. It was, to an, be. I, it was like a, 
It was like he was caught somewhere in the matrix in between worlds. And we didn't know what to do. And while we didn't know what to do, he would shoot it off the backboard. It was an anomaly of a play that only Tim Duncan, I've only seen Tim Duncan do it. When teams figured that he was doing that, they pushed him to the elbow and he was good enough to play from there. All the other players played from the post, screen roll, single double, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, Joe Dumars, those players. They played from the post. Mostly you see the bigs. And then if you were a great guard, Isaiah Thomas, da-da-da, da-da-da, Allen Iverson, you play screen role. And, of course, Mo, you can go ISO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now, that's it. Kevin Durant is such a unique talent because Kevin Durant, theoretically, he can play from the post. He's big enough. Without question, you can go from the elbow. He can play from the middle of the court. That's what mm-hmm. makes him such a valuable weapon to play. He was, in my opinion, he was without question the most viable option. Steph mm-hmm. Curry, because of his, that the percentage he shoots from three, it puts him in a different category. There's and always also- an anomaly. And also, Steph doesn't need the ball in his hands to get his shot. He's so, he's he's so accurate ball. from three. There's never been a player as accurate from three. He's shooting like 40%. Moving, yeah, him, him cutting, and Clay. Clay, it makes it, it, there's always an anomaly. You can't just, it applies to everyone except Steph Curry and probably Clay Thompson. That's what makes it unique. Now, if you want to say because of that, I can't argue that either. But let me tell you something. When you are trying to get a basket, you're probably going to try to go to the elbow or screen roll before you shoot a fadeaway three. Is he capable of making that? Yes. That's the difference. That's the difference in the game. Now, I don't know what that means. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. KD is KD. It really didn't matter because when you played against those teams, you ask any coach, every coach will say the following. It didn't really matter because mm-hmm. none of us ever yeah, got really. a chance to, 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 <laughs> to play them close in the fourth quarter anyway. Yeah. Because they were that good. And they were really good because Clay, Clay Steph, and KD are so good playing without the ball that they were so unselfish that they all, it, it worked. Yeah. It, it worked for them. So honestly, it doesn't really matter. It was just a beautiful brand of basketball. And now you're seeing the same brand of basketball with different players, Jordan Poole and company. They've all figured out how to play this brand, ball movement, player movement. And in this version, there's no doubt who's the best player, Steph Curry. But Let's say this, Steph Curry also came off the bench in the playoffs, to me, is what makes this unique, is because the ball is the best, and then the players fill around. And what I love most about it is the ball always ends up in the best player's hands. Always, Mo. So I don't know what that means. These guys are talking about, I always like to focus in on the game and let the game do the talking. 
And it was a, and I love watching those guys play because KD is a, KD's a player. You know what? It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's a player. Say what you want to say about the guy, he tweets or whatever. Who cares? The guy, when that ball goes up, he can play. Yeah. So the bad news is, BJ, seeing as we love to talk about the game, there's only anywhere between four and seven games left of this season, which means that trade rumors are starting to pick up again. <laughs> Already? <laughs> Already. Now here's the news. Okay, the on the right. Let me guess. The Knicks are somewhere in here. Let me guess. <laughs> You got it. Donovan Mitchell, a trade involving Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks and the Jazz is highly unlikely. But something that has come out today, multiple people around the NBA believe a potential offer from Miami that would theoretically center around Tyler Harrow and multiple first round picks would trump New York's best offer. Now we know D Wade has got for what? For who? Donovan Mitchell? Yes. Donovan Mitchell for Tyler Hero and multiple first-round picks. Apparently. No. Now, D. Wade is the owner, part owner of the Jazz. But he still mm-hmm. is a Miami Heat lifer. We know what it is. And I anticipate at some point Donovan Mitchell maybe will play for the Miami Heat. But I don't know if Tyler Hero, with all due respect to him, is going to be that trade package. I don't know what else they'll throw in there. Maybe there will be multiple players, but... I feel like for a multiple-time all-star like Donovan Mitchell, they could get perhaps a little bit more. But the Utah Jazz were involved in other rumors, one being that Toronto's OG Ananobi is unhappy with his role. Now, his teammates, Cody Barnes, hopped onto the Instagram comments to deny this, but that doesn't stop the rumors from swirling. And one team that was floated in a trade um, was the Utah Jazz trying to acquire OG Ananobi. Uh, which is very unlikely because this article here from Bleacher Report is talking about them, the Raptors, trying to get Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. Now, I don't think OG Ananobi for Rudy Gobert is very likely at all, mainly because the money doesn't even start to match. You're going to have to throw in Gary Trent Jr. and someone else. But the Raptors, this is like a weird diagram of, of teams, the Raptors were also this week linked to having an interest in DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns. Well, so I say all of this to say, the Toronto Raptors played this very interesting style of basketball this year, where there were all the guys that are like six foot nine, can all switch, all long arms, great athletes. How much do you think they need a seven footer playing center? Do you think that will benefit them, or do you think that they don't need that in this current era of the NBA? I'm just going to speculate here because we're just talking about rumors. It's just it's all rumors. It's it's all rumors. The Toronto Raptors are one shot blocker away. Are one shot blocker away. Okay. I'm going to say this now. So that way you can keep <laughs> I, your seat. I think we even said this like a few months yeah. ago as well. They're one shot blocker away. When I say a shot blocker, a person, a player that can protect the rim at an elite level. An elite level. They're one shot blocker away from returning back to the NBA finals. That's crazy. Okay. That's what I see. (laughs) Why do I say that? It's because I have way more confidence now in understanding how to construct a team because you have to draft these great players. You have to draft the players if you're going to build a team. Let's look at these teams that are currently in the finals. 
Steph yep. Curry was drafted. Clay Thompson was drafted. Draymond was drafted. Jason Tatum was drafted. Jalen Brown, Brown was drafted. Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart. Time Lord. Time Lord. Jordan Poole. Okay. okay. This is what I said. In the finals, there's no big free agents. There is right. no big free agents. Andrew Wiggins was traded for. Al Horford was traded for. The biggest free agents on Golden State are Nemanja Bialyks and Otto Boer Jr. There's so, no big free agents. We're talking about superstars moving teams. Guess what? It's over. So I, I want to keep this thought here. You made a great point. I want to keep this thought. OG drafted. drafted. Um, what's the kid? Spicy P. Yeah. Siakam. Siakam. Scotty Barnes. Drafted. And Fred drafted. Van Fleet was undrafted, but drafted. they brought him in through the G. They brought him in. Okay. When you start drafting these players and you can see what happens when you draft these guys, you're able to construct a team based on what you have. Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG, was it Boucher and all of these yep. guys, right? All of these guys, now they're going to be together for three to five years. They're playing meaningful games. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have pushed me over the top of the importance of, especially now, of the draft. Because we went from these guys can't play together to now they're in the NBA Finals, okay? Yep. You have to do it. The Toronto Raptors are a shot blocker way. The key is, are they going to be able to get a shot blocker who can play against bigs and be able to be athletic enough to switch and do the things because of the versatility of the team that Masai is currently building up there? They have excellent guard play. They have size. They have depth. They can shoot. They have leadership. It's one thing they are missing. They can't play against the elite bigs in this league. And you're going to have to play against those guys. You're going to have to go through Joel Embiid. You're going to have to play against Giannis. You're going to have to play against in, these guys. In the Eastern Conference, you're going to bump into at least one okay. of them on your way. And, 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 I, and, I, and Al Horford and the Time Lord and these guys, you're going to have to have elite bigs. Okay. So I'm going to say this now. So that way it's documented. I think they have to get one. But they have to get one where they can maintain the core of their group. OG and those guys are what I call, when you talk about character, you need guys like that. Mm -hmm. Who can play, play a role and be a star in that role. If you're going to build a championship caliber team. So I don't see under any circumstances, unless it's an elite player, a Rudy Gobert or something like that. Now, these guys are really smart. I find it funny that we're talking about two of the better executives in the league, Masai mm -hmm. and Danny Ainge. Mm -hmm. Why do I say they're the best? Is because they're going to put their names out in the media first to control the narrative. And mm -hmm. no matter what happens, they will come out victorious because they're going to say, all of these guys were out here wanting to trade for you and I kept you. Or they're going to find the deal that they like. <laughs> you follow me. Yep. That's what great executives do. So Danny Ainge is beating everyone to the punch. He's open for business. But for in the, right the end, business. he's going to go to them and say, we value you so much here. We turn down everything else. 
Or if someone gives him something that he really likes, he's out there in front of the game. So no matter what, that's what a great executive does. So I love the fact that both of those guys are doing it. I've been watching these guys do this for ages. Sources say, and they're Mm -hmm. going to do this, and they're Mm -hmm. going to watch this. They know everyone's watching in the NBA. Great job. All the younger executives, you can learn from this. Okay, Mo, this is what you have to do. I'm paying attention. And then you can go at the end of the summer and go, hey, everyone was calling for you but we value you more than anybody in the league. Now let's go play. And what mm-hmm. can you argue? So it's, it's, I, I, I've seen this game so many times now. I, I just laugh at it now. Good for Danny Ainge. Good for Masai. That's why they get played. That's why they get paid the big bucks. I think Toronto is in a good place. Without question, Utah is in a good place. And they will have options. Now, if they, I don't think there's much you're going to see, but maybe something comes comes up for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton. But right now, I, I, I really like the fact that those guys are already getting out in front of the story and letting it run, let it run because it, it's, it's good. That's good business. Yes, sir. Well, also good for business is the first ever in-person Hoop Genius podcast, yes. which is quite crazy to think about, 100 and something episodes in. Tomorrow we're coming live and direct. I'm excited. It's going to be good. I'm going to be at shoot around with the teams in the morning, and uh, I believe I'll be sitting down with Rob Williams if all goes according to plan. But I can't oh, promise wow. anything. You know how okay. these things go, though. You know how the, these media days go, though, BJ. You never know. You never know how yeah, things are going to unfold. Yeah, so. yeah. You guys can have the media days. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. My first time in a chase center, brand new arena. Oh. Have you have you been there yet? I have it, not. I have it not opened, it opened the pandemic. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, COVID, so, so apparently it's very nice from, from staff from around league who represent other teams. Right. They always say they love going to the Chase Center. So I'm excited to go see it and I'll update you guys with how it goes. And BJ and I will be here tomorrow. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. Let's do NBA it. Finals, Hoop Genes Podcast, live and direct. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Make sure you, um, leave a review, leave a rating, show some love share the show, all those good things. And until tomorrow, my good people, we appreciate you and get buckets.